The following is a hoop ball presentation. you hearing this it is a lovely tuesday morning the 22nd of june uh but i am here grateful to have a guest on i had last year having back on today um host of a founder and host of nba draft junkies you can find them on locked on nba draft um just the draft god over here uh we got rafael barlow uh, you can find him on twitter at barlow 500 b-a-r-l-o-w-e-5-0-0 rafael how you doing man I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Pleasure's on my. I appreciate it. I'm good. I'm good. Just fries with the tech. Um, but aside from that, hard to believe that the lottery, well, by the time folks listen to this tonight, um, yeah. it's been crazy. And honestly, since my Lakers lost, I've been kind of in a NBA tailspin of like watching some games and just all over. But um, yeah, it felt so much quicker this draft in my head in terms of like not, I guess, not having, you know, basketball lockdown for a couple months like we did last year where yeah. we were it seemed like we everyone already analyzed and overanalyzed everybody's weaknesses strengths to the umpteenth degree um yeah. and now we're on this one and i'm like i know kate cunningham i know i know the Jalen guys um you know i know jonathan kaminga i know from what i've been listening to and reading there's like just a lack of shooting but other than that it's a weird kind of unknown for me which is funny because again you know by the time people hear this tonight draft lottery so I'm happy to have you on and kind of talk about that a little bit, get your feel for this draft, how it maybe compares to last year, just your mock. But I wanted to start just because, you know, you have deep history as an evaluator, and I got thoughts on Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I talked about this a little bit on our show um, last night, or my show last night, but basically, you know, he just, he 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 was he was kind of trash. I don't even like to say it that way, but he just was for the position that he plays. Um, I just need to ask you kind of what you feel about him from, like, when you watch him, because he saw as a point guard, but in my mind, he never has been. And I think this playoff series, this playoff run has kind of proved that. But like, what do you think about him as a player? Because I am like, he's not complete garbage. Like, you know, people bring up, he's good in transition. He's good defensively. You know, he has um, decent court vision. He's a good ball handler, but they're so, the weaknesses are so large and he seems to have like no interest in improving them. At least from what I see, I just need to get your take on that. Cause I'm just super fan here. Oh, man, I don't know if I'm the right guy to ask because so I have a group of friends on Facebook and it's a basketball group. So I was pro Brandon Ingram in the 2016 draft to the point where it was such a divisive topic because everybody was like, are you crazy? I mean, everybody, I'd say like 95 percent of the people were sold on Ben Simmons being like this, and I mean, I mean, they were like, he's 6'10", he's like LeBron-like, and it, it's, it's, I may sound like a hater saying this, but like, <laughs> this playoffs, I've been like giving people a hard time, like, I told you, I told you, and... It's your flowers. <laughs> so, I don't want to say I don't like Ben, but you know how like sometimes you get into these debates with your friends, and you and it's like... Now you're starting to like root for the player to not do well. So Andre Drummond. Right. Andre Drummond. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, sir. <laughs> so my my issue with Ben, and actually somebody is it's funny because after he had the the game, you know, the the bad game seven, somebody went on my YouTube video and made a comment on the video that I posted like 2016. And they're like, he still hasn't improved in five years. And so I looked at the video and I, I hadn't seen it in, in years. And I, I put down, you know, he's good in transition. He's a good passer. But even when I broke down, like, his shot, I think he made, like, 14 out of 45 jump shots at LSU. And then I put down another weakness was he is going to pick up a lot of charges. 
down the lane. And then I felt like his assist numbers were overrated because he threw a lot of bombs. Like, you know, he, and for those that, that don't know what a bomb is, a bomb is like, I throw the ball to you in a position where you can't do anything but shoot. If you make it, I get the assist. If you miss, it doesn't show up on my stat sheet. And I felt like there were a lot of times where he had open shots and he threw it to a guy that was covered for a more difficult shot. And, you know, if you do that 10 times a game and the guy makes and you get three assists out of it, it could take you from seven to 10 or from five to eight. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he does it. Like there's a play in game seven where he had a layup. And I'm not talking about the main one everybody's talking about. It was like in the first half, he was on the left side of the court. He drove right, had a layup, didn't look. He just kind of like handed it off to either George Hill or Tobias Harris, and they got fouled. But I'm like, he does that so much. And so I've never been big on his game. I felt like he just kind of looks like he's entitled to me. And maybe I got that vibe from the whole LSU story where he was like, I don't need to go to class. Why I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to class. And I feel like it divided the whole team because the coach probably was trying to, you know, like set a standard. But yet if he's not doing it and then no one else, you know, the whole situation where they end up getting blown out. I want to say they play like Tennessee or Mississippi State. And if they would have won the game, they could have went to the tournament. And then for LSU to be like, no, nah, we're not even going to do the NIT. <laughs> this is a mess. So I had a friend. He was I think that year. Not not Ben's first rookie year, but the second one, he said he was in camp and they were trying to get him to work on floaters. And he was just like, no. <laughs> so, um, oh, man, that's not a good. Yeah, look. That's like, not a good and look. It, he doesn't work on his game like nah. he, he, he doesn't work on it at all. And I even felt like he's never had to like everything that he does. It just seemed like it is just natural God given talent like his size his fluidity i mean like his handle i mean i'm pretty sure he worked but he literally like and again i could be wrong he just seemed like a guy that he picked up a basketball and was good at it from day one like his passing instincts and all that like i mean that wasn't developed i mean i feel like he was just doing that born like that (laughs) and now and on one hand you know I'm not that talented to where I can just sign for $177 million <laughs> off just my guy giving gifts. So he's never had to work. I mean, he's been rewarded everywhere. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been rewarded and he's been able to just put up 16, eight and eight off of just guy giving talent. And now I think it's caught up with him. I still don't think it's going to change. I think all the backlash, I still don't think that it's going to change because now I think it's just all mental. Like, I mean, he's he's really scared and yeah. he's running from the ball. You can't win with him like that, nah. especially in the playoffs. But, you know, the thing is, and not to make this a big Ben Simmons power session. No, no. He did this <laughs> in 2019 and nobody gave him flack for it. Like, I looked at the, the stats maybe – last week in a debate with a friend and i want to say there was like that series versus the raptors mm-hmm. it was maybe like five out of the seven games he took less than 10 shots Jeez. and he just kind of hung out at the dunker and i mean he let jimmy butler handle the ball mm-hmm. which was a better decision but i just feel like if he doesn't have the ball in the half court he's killing your spacing on offense he's not making anybody better even when he's like playing the dunker he's not like ducking in like i feel like you could put me on him and he's gonna just kind of stand there yeah not really crashing the offensive glass Mm -hmm. and then i feel like because everybody's telling him he can't shoot this this and that he's like yeah i ain't gonna work on it but i'm gonna make an impact on defense and i think his his mindset is to prove like i can win and be successful without working on what you guys want me to work on. I'm going to, cause he wasn't a good defender at LSU. Uh, gotcha. I mean, he had the physical tools, yeah. but I mean, he's just turned into like a really, really good defender. But in my opinion, if you play the best defense in the world 
mm-hmm. and you don't shoot and I go five for 30, I got 10 points to your zero. <laughs> so I outscored you 10-0. I mean, that's true. That's a numbers game. It's pretty simple on that. You're right. And that's, I guess, at least my next question. Thank you for that because I got to say that was, I was very much um, Brandon Ingram on that train. And as far as my analysis, it was definitely way more fan than anything like I was like oh I like Brent Ingram boom that's my guy but like looking at it now what position do you think he's best because I you mentioned him kind of getting the assists you know you said the bombs I call him like 2014 2016 Rondo specials like yeah. you know where he just you going through the pick and roll pulling up on base and then you just leave the guy you shoot it or you don't but it's not going <laughs> to knock on me so like he's the king of that but at the same time it's like he's and this is again not knowing the guy he seems to want to be in that main initiator spot, despite not having the tendencies that are, you know, he's, he's a good, and again, good floor, you know, good like floor guy and getting the ball around stuff, but it's not that sort of, Oh, like next level pass or anything that I think of like a LeBron or, you know, any other, I don't know, basic forward initiator type guy. Um, yeah. But like, if he plays the four on a dwell and B team, then he just, he's doing what he's doing now just without any, benefit of him being point guard because he is crying the lane he doesn't have interest in shooting he wants to stay at the dunker spot because he doesn't want to space at the corner but like you say he doesn't do anything in the dunker spot just kind of sitting around there so it's like i guess it goes back to i mean now of course the flavor of the day is he has to be traded but i was hoping he was traded to houston for james harden you know back or whatever when or when philadelphia um was trying to make what was it with tyrese was it tyrese yeah it was tyrese maxi or something they were trying to not yeah. dangle in like i would have got rid of him back then for that and a plethora of picks because i don't think he's a good fit for this team but i'm not sure he, he has a fit in the nba of course when you that good top 30 player i'm not top 25 to me but he's somewhere in there even without the jumper but he's gonna be stuck there and then just go back from there do you see him playing like I've heard this a couple times now, you know, a mini Draymond Green role. I feel like Draymond Green is so much more impactful in terms of IQ than Simmons is personally. But like, I'm trying to find where does he fit in this? Because he's obviously a a talented player, but it's just like a round, what, round square peg and round hole or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I don't know, man, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm in that center. (laughs) That would be cool. You're right. (laughs) But at the same time, he he's only effective when his team gets stops. If he gets the rebound and he can get downhill, I mean, to me, him and Giannis are very similar, except Giannis, you'll never question Giannis's heart. You'll never question Giannis's effort. Giannis is most effective when he can guard the team's worst player and kind of, you know, roam on defense. Mm -hmm. You shoot a jumper, you miss, he gets the rebound, and then he's two dribbles, (laughs) two long dribbles. And he's at the rim. He doesn't have a bag. He doesn't, I mean, it's Euro step or hard, you know, you cut him off spin, but he's aggressive. He plays hard. He, he makes an impact on the game. And I feel like Simmons lacks that same confidence or whatever. So I think he's going to be tough to build. There's two guys that I feel like, and I mean, this may be a little controversial, but there's right. two guys that I feel like are all NBA talents but they're hard to build around. One is Ben Simmons, and the other is Zion Williamson. I think Zion is tough Ooh, to build around. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. The reason I think Zion is tough to build around is because he's really a five. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like <laughs> six, six five. five. <laughs> but he doesn't rebound like nice. a center. And so if you put him next to a, a five like Steven Adams or Derek Favors, they're not spacing the floor, so he's not – having the best room to operate mm-hmm. so it's like if you i think if you put zion in a four out situation he's gonna be unstoppable yeah yeah it's a <laughs> but, monster yo <laughs> but you have to find a five that can space the floor and defend the five so he needs to be paired next to a like book lopez like a miles turner or, guy Maybe Miles, but Miles don't doesn't rebound enough. either. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Miles on average is like six and a half, seven rebounds per game. Yeah. Some so it's because he's sharing with Sabonis, but even before Sabonis was there, he was never a great one. And I think Miles can shoot, but I don't think he's like a the real bottom. knockdown shooter. So that's why I think Zion is hard to build on. I think Ben is tough because he wants the ball in his hands, but you can't rely on him. And then if you put him off the ball, then he's really useless. <laughs> so you're going to have to 
convince him or we're going to get him in a situation where he's the role man. I think as a role man, he would be devastating as a screener mm-hmm. and the role man because he can get downhill. And then once he's downhill, you know, he has the passing instincts to, you know, make plays in the middle of the floor. But then at the same time, you wonder, okay, how aggressive is he going to be as a role man if he doesn't want to be fouled? Exactly. I I think he's really tough to build around. I think that if you have him on your team, he's going to help you get to the playoffs, maybe win the first round. But then in the second round, that's where it's tough. I feel that. I feel that. Well, thank you for your insight there because – yeah, that was my thought. I was trying to think about this, and I was like, you know what? I hate to spring this on Rafael, but I, I, it was on my mind from the last I, show. I, I, I can talk about this Ben Simmons topic all day. <laughs> I've like looked at all the YouTube videos and, uh-huh. and just reading all the articles. I saw some exec called him a mental midget. I know that was crazy. I saw it too. I was like, yo, that anonymous stuff, man. Uh, who would even? Yeah, but th- th- like, I- I'm not at all trying to say he's anything with that exec stuff. But like, I do feel there is some like it's like pride and like a mental block in terms of like you said mentally. Okay, I'm gonna go the line and get the free throws. Like you proud enough to not want to adapt your game to other levels that yeah make you maybe less of the player you think you are but when you're given free reign like you've been had in philadelphia to do all these things and you don't to the detriment of your team yeah. i mean it's simple math we were, i was talking about this a couple of days ago and it was like the 76ers are struggling to score Joel Embiid is oh for the entire second half danny green's out you have tobias harris who isn't shooting well you have four concord mas you have a bench that's ineffective. George Hill totally showed his age. So, like, it's just someone have to go look at your left, look at your right, and be like, you know what? I need to get buckets any way I know how. And he has these random games. He had a 42-point game against Utah out of, out of nowhere. I mean, it was the same game he normally do when he has offense. It wasn't like a Russell Westbrook, oh, my jumper's really going, you know. But yeah. Russell's consistent, at least in taking his shots, whether or not he's making or missing. But when yeah. he's on, you know, a bigger scoring night. No, this was Ben Simmons saying, I'm going to put my head down to score. And now it's like, okay, why don't you do that again? you know, games four through seven of this round against the Hawks where you might have been impactful. I don't know. I'm glad. Set defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, man. A set defense. He struggles. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the other players' struggles are because of him. Like, I mean, think about it. If Embiid has the ball on the left block and Simmons is standing at the right block, John Collins is, is right there. As soon as Embiid puts the ball, he can double on the catch. Yep. Tobias <laughs> is not getting space. And mm-hmm. I think that with Philly, you got to sign a backup point guard. So if they're going to run it back, and I like Maxi, and mm-hmm. if Maxi's not the answer, you got to find you a backup point guard that can come in and be your floor general late <laughs> in games. You know, so yeah, be what you want Ben Simmons to have done. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, like TJ McConnell was that guy for them a few years back. So you got to get somebody because right now, if you look at their roster. It's like, who's the real backup point guard? Like, it's like they don't have a true point guard on the they roster. They really don't. Period. Yeah. George Hill has been like more of a classic combo guard most of his career, but like, especially yeah. as he's aged, he's really just like a floor spacer. And even that, like, he just, this playoff series, I think, was just showing a little bit of long in the tooth for him. But even mm-hmm. then, you're right. Like, you don't have a guy outside of that. You know, you have a combo guard in Shake Milton, you have a guy in Tyrese. You don't have that guy. Um, and yeah. they tried to mess with that a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler. And last year, I think they missed, 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 um, miscast uh, Josh Richardson in that role. You know, yeah. like that secondary initiator. And they keep going with these like quasi initiators. And the yeah. best one they probably had was Jimmy Butler. And friction between Ben Simmons and organizations that got him out of town anyway. So it's like, honestly, yeah. even seeing his three-point stroke since he left probably wouldn't have been a great fit for Philly in general, just seeing how he's continued shooting. But just yeah. having someone on the ball who can make a decision and isn't afraid to shoot it, yeah, yeah. it's a mess, man. But Yeah, he's tough to build around. That's definitely. just my, you know, I've I felt that way for years. And it's crazy because he's such a talented guy. Seriously. And he's going to be able to get you wins if your team can get stops and it's just seems like if the defense is set and he's just not going to be aggressive, but you know, actually I was kind of concerned about it because people are piling on him so much. Yeah. <laughs> and you're questioning how mentally tough he is. And it's like, they've been, I mean, I hope he caught a private plane and he's yeah. back in LA for the summer or somewhere. Cause no, don't go to the grocery store. No, no. <laughs> your face in Philly. Don't... <laughs> 
Now, you know the fan yesterday who was ranting. You, I think you saw. Oh my gosh! Did you call him a crumb bum? <laughs> yeah, I saw I that. Dead. I was like, I'm gonna take that crumb bum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was on one. So, so yeah, you yeah. just don't want to pop your head around there for sure. But I appreciate you giving the time to indulge on that because I was I had to get that out, and I'd rather have a conversation with someone with some insight than just talking about myself because I, I could have done that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but shifting to you know the matter at hand, we got the draft lottery. Well. Like I said, by the time folks listen tonight, um, again, we, I, I did a pod. I had Stone Hansen on last week and kind of did um, a little run through of, of the guys that kind of take notice of to kind of get started in the show. But um, I listen to your show a lot. Obviously, watch your – well, I'm really crunching on it now. I always find your time just between the draft lottery and the draft to really catch up on everyone's stuff. But um, mm-hmm. having watched these guys, I kind of want to get a feel for your mock. And so I was hoping to kind of – get a run through with you obviously i mean everybody even if you're not if you're a casual nba observer you know kate cunningham and yeah. then you know you probably know evan mobley too um and then that's probably just where it kind of stops you know you might yeah. get some Jalen Suggs and stuff but going in i mean a lot of teams kind of hope you know the rockets are up in there you know you got the magic up in there a lot of teams going for these guys so i kind of want to run through and just kind of share your mock and kind of where you have guys i mean it seems like there's it's a weird draft class. What are you, what are your overall thoughts about before you kind of go in um, compared to others? Cause I feel there's all these interesting guys and yeah, shooting seems to be a question mark. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, the class is supposed to be top heavy. Mm. So, you know, for most people, the, the top five is, is already set with uh, Cunningham, Obley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs and Kaminga. Some may have one of the one of the guys falling out. I've seen Scotty Barnes as the most likely to squeeze into the top five if one of those guys falls out. Oh, wow. I think it's an interesting class, um, but you never know. I mean, last year's class was considered to be weak, and I thought last year's class ended up being pretty good. We overanalyzed last year's class. I mean, we had <laughs> literally a full year mm-hmm. to e- evaluate guys. Everybody um, up and down. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a pretty solid class, and um, I just think it's wide open. I'm really interested to see how everything turns out, especially with the lottery. But I feel like there's not much difference between maybe the seventh pick and the 13th pick or, mm. you know, maybe the 14th pick and pick number 20. I don't think there's much difference. I don't think there's much difference really between 15 and 35. So, Oh, wow. It's um, – you know, it's really, really interesting draft. Okay, okay. I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess, in terms of having this, for lack of a better word, a crapshoot kind of after the first couple where, you yeah. know, a guy you pick could be a great value play over someone, even though they might be in the same tier. But um, mm-hmm. oh, I guess we could kind of start then from, like, I guess the top. I mean, obviously, I think we knew from – it hasn't really been anybody really coming and saying that it's no one else other than Cade as number one. Yeah. Um, is he – I mean, I've watched, I've heard he is, I don't think he has the hype of like a Zion. Um, definitely he has hype over than anyone last year, but like, is he that guy, you know, you, you, you bring him on a team, whether that be Houston, whether that be, you know, Orlando, Chicago, Toronto, just any of those teams that possibly have a shot and he comes in, he's clear cut that guy. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, you mean clear cut, like number one option or. Um, yeah. Well, like, yeah. he's gonna li- um, like, yeah, kind of, I mean. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's some guys already there. Most of those spots, with the exception of Toronto, I think I just put him number one just because of the talent or lack thereof that those teams kind of have, you know? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because, I mean, I think Houston, obviously, they are they have the most ping pong balls. And I've I've been on record of saying, like, I don't think there's much talent difference between Anthony Edwards and Kevin Porter Jr. I think the biggest difference is Ant may be a little bit more fluid athletically. Yeah. more powerful but i think talent for talent skill for skill i don't think there's that much of a difference and porter he had a 50 point game yeah yeah, yeah the intel is the the difference and you know just the you just know i just hear that that the, the intel <laughs> yeah no, i know <laughs> what you're talking about top, he should have been a top pick top five pick wow I mean, he's that talented and he showed how talented he he is once he got to houston mm-hmm. but um so yeah i mean houston would be i mean if porter lives up to if he can continue to show what he showed at the end of the year and they get kate that's that's a pretty good one-two combination you got christian wood um, i like that 
Yeah, I mean, like Detroit could use him, even though they took a point guard last year. But I feel like they can play together. Orlando, <laughs> they have a lot of guards between RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony and Cade and Fultz. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say you still got Markel up in there too. <laughs> yeah, you just paid. Um, Jeez, yeah. Man. So yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Orlando. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that you pass up on Cade for for one of those guys. You just kind of figure out, you know, a way to make it work since you're really in the in the business of trying to collect talent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think Cade is the clear cut number one, and I mean, he's he's the one pick where you like he'll know where he's going. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he gets, as soon as he gets picked, I mean, tomorrow night we'll know yeah. for certain. Yeah, as soon as he you know find out, he'll know exactly where he's going. He might as well just start his campaign looking for a house there and all that. So, there you go. It, but it, after that, then. You know, like if you're Orlando, you you pick number two. Where do you go? That is true, and and that's kind of I guess you do a transition better than me, man, over here. <laughs> but like going into those next two, I think it's weird because I heard Evan Mobley's kind of locked into the two, at least from what I've kind of heard on most mock drafts. I haven't really done a whole lot of scouring in that respect, but from enough sources, I feel like you kind of have that guy. But yeah. real, between two through four, where do you hold them? Because I would think that after Cade. I don't know. A lot of these teams that are where they are, obviously you're already there for a reason, but like, they don't have like any position lockdown. Like even Orlando, you just mentioned with Cade, like you guys got, they got a lot of guards, but like yeah. I would take Cade over any of the guards they have right now, because right now you got guards that could be good and sort of good. And you have Cade who, you know, will be good. And so these teams, you know, Detroit, you know, Chicago, all these guys kind of vying for, you know, tonight's lottery, whatever, yeah. like they can go for position E, but it doesn't really make any sense. Like grab the best guy and go. But yeah. for you, when we look at it, or when you look at it from a draft perspective, it's like, okay, who do you think is a clear-cut second guy? Um, and then I guess from there, third and fourth, where is your list on that? Is it Mobley and then the Jalen guys, or kind of where are you at? Well, you know, when I do my I, – I, well, I'll be honest. I haven't done the big board where I just rank guys okay. based off of how I do it. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll normally get like a mock, and I'll go to Tankathon, and I'll do the simulator. And then I like to I like try those. to – yeah go where a pick makes sense to me like for example i think i did it once and um i think houston was one i forgot who went to but i I had a situation where the pacers moved up to like number three oh wow yeah so it's like all right if the pacers are number three maybe they were number two well Mm -hmm. all right yeah i think it was a situation where the pacers jumped so if they're number two does it really make sense to take mobley no, not really, because you have a plethora of things already. Yeah, it, it so, really. All right, yeah, you, that's not a good. You fit. may move one of them, but then you kind of like. All right, let's say you move Turner, then Mobley and Sabonis. It might be the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Sabonis is a five. <laughs> and so yeah, straight up, he, I agree. So that was that. That's why it's tricky. Like if you're Cleveland, if you're Cleveland, and um. You know, if if you end up picking third, where do you go? Do you take another guard for the third straight year, or no? They didn't. They didn't take a guard last year. They took a coral. Mm-hmm. But do you take a yeah? Like, do you take Suggs or Green? Yeah, when you already have Colin and Darius and, and, yeah. and Garland, and, and then yep. if you take, do you take Kaminga? You have a he may play the same <laughs> position. It depends if you think he's a four. Mm. If you you know, do you take Mobley? All right. I mean, so do you, I guess you move Jared Allen unless you think that they can play together. Yeah. And you just so, traded for him, presumably to sign him long term. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, man. I think like <laughs> Cleveland, there's going to be a lot of redundancy there. Um, all right, Orlando, too. All right. So say if you're Orlando and you end up picking third, let's say it's let's say it goes Houston one, Detroit two and you're Orlando at number three and it's Cade and Mobley. Where do you go? Do you take another guard and Suggs or Green, or do you take Kaminga, who is a three, who I guess plays the same? I mean, it like depends on what you and Jonathan or, Isaac. Or, yeah, Isaac. <laughs> yeah. Or if you if you're Orlando at number two, do you take Mobley when you just traded for Wendell Carter and you still got Bamba? So it's um. Lord, man. <laughs> I, I usually kind of make my drafts based off of. I try to make it off of fit and what may make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it can be tough because you have to 
you know, these teams are bad for a reason. So yeah. they're, not, <laughs> they're, you know, they're looking to add, add talent and, and just kind of figure things out later. So, um, yeah, so that's how I, I've done my mock. But like now that, are you going man. by order? Or, or what yeah you know what i mean the way we do it, it's kind of cool actually because i like the way that you describe the process and it does make sense more than traditional well especially in light of what we're doing right now where you know it's yet to be decided the order yeah. so i guess we could just kind of go like in terms of well i'll get through the six guys i know and then we can just kind of go from there but um let's just talk i mean the next three we got you know you already mentioned jalen green jalen suggs and jonathan kaminga um yeah. honestly kaminga seems to be the archetype of guy who like i felt like from what i watched in um some of the like YouTube scouting videos and stuff I've seen, like he seemed like he wanted to prove he could shoot like with the yeah. night, but like it didn't work out. If anything, I think it made it even worse because I think yeah. I don't remember the numbers. I think you mentioned it, but it, it was pretty, pretty ugly. Like, what do you look at him as a player? Um, and he's, I know he's clearly five, but uh, or yeah, he's after. so young. He's only 18. So oh, yeah, he's only 18. He reclassified <laughs> and, um, and I think, He's only, I want to say he just moved to the States a few years ago. He made a big jump because a lot of scouts didn't get a chance to see him play in like high level tournaments. Like he missed basketball without borders. He wasn't able to play in um, hoop summit or anything like that. And I don't even think he played in like the highest level AU tournament. So um, he made a big jump. And I mean, I thought, well, he got off to a hot start and then he kind of cooled off there. I do think that he was trying to prove that he can shoot opposite of Ben Simmons. So on one yep. hand, I like the confidence, like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a fine line between, okay, I can't shoot and I'm trying to prove people that I can shoot or here's an open shot and I'm going to shoot it because it's an open shot. I, I feel that was one of the things that Isaac Okoro didn't do at Auburn his last year, his freshman year, he would not shoot. So if they swung the ball to him wide open, he it was like a hot potato. He Breaking threw it back. <laughs> so, um, so I did like that, that he was confident in his shot. Um, he just has a ideal size that you're looking for, for a wing. And he was able to like bully guys and, and, you know, like the AU circuit or high school circuit, because he was that much stronger. Yeah. And it was impressive to me that even though he's 18 and, you know, he probably hasn't really put in time in the work, weight room. He was able to, you know, go on showcase him. his physicality against grown men. So I think his upside is high. And because he reclassified, you know, I wonder if he would have stayed in his regular class and he would have came out in 2022. You know, he may be a lot to go number one or, or number two. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like him. I think he's in my top five. I shouldn't okay. say I think, but he, he is in my top he's five. Top five. Got you. Got you. Um, real quick, breezing through Jalen Suggs or the two Jalen guys. So yep. both of them, like, are they? And this is where my ignorance goes between Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. I mean, they're not the same position type, but like, yeah. are they kind of that scoring guy? It's weird because they have like, from what I know, they have reputations of scores, but like, they both are like iffy on the shot, but like, not a bad shot, just not like a great shot. Am I getting that right? Like, what's the difference between these guys here? Well, Jalen Suggs is more of a point to where. He could be a combo okay. and he's a floor general. I mean, I mean, you know, like the one of the things when you watch Gonzaga, they reminded you every single game, at least three times that he used to be a quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, he I love has the college. That, <laughs> yeah, he has more so of that floor general game. I think he can come in and be a point while green is a score, like score first, score second. I mean, he's looking to get buckets. So I've seen a lot of comparisons to Zach Levine. Okay. And it's not a bad comparison, you know, um, yeah. crazy awesome. athleticism Yeah, definitely has a scores mentality. He shot, I think, 36% from three, which is respectable. Okay. Um, one of the things that he, he proved to me was that he could play with other good players. Yeah. If there was a knock or, or any questions I had about him coming into the the bubble or the gobble whatever you call it <laughs> was uh could he play with other guys because he he was such like a, a high usage rate guy in high school and au and i mean he was phenomenal like i saw him play a high school game it was like a thanksgiving tournament a couple of years ago and i want to say he had like 48 49 points and i i thought like dang this is one of the best high school players i've ever seen yeah then that summer i saw him play with team usa 
And that's where I started to have concerns. Now, even though that team was loaded, you had Halliburton, you had Kay Cunningham, you had Jalen Suggs, you had Mobley was on the team. You had uh, – I'm missing somebody else on the team. Uh, Scotty Barnes was on oh, that team. Okay. Like, the team was pretty loaded. And and your two guards were Halliburton and Cunningham. Oh, wow. So it's not, you know. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's, yeah. not, it's not too if you bad. you don't start with, because of those guys, there's nothing wrong with it. But nope. um, Green came off the bench, and it seemed like when he did play with that first group, he wasn't as comfortable not having the ball in his hands all the time. But when you put him with the second group, then he really was able to just showcase everything that he has. So I was, that's when I started to question like, okay, how's he going to play if he doesn't have a high usage rate or he has guys on a team that are just as good or, you know, whatever older teammates. So I thought he did a good job of proving that this year, even though, the G League Ignite team was kind of set up for him to succeed because yeah, if showcase. him and Kaminga don't, then it kills the whole program. So, mm-hmm. you know, things were built around him. <laughs> they did have the, the, you know, a good group of guys that understood, you know, mm-hmm. their role in, in the program's role. So, Jack. <laughs> yeah, so I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was good for him, even though I feel like the thing was kind of set up for him. Mm-hmm. I did think that he he was able to showcase that he can play with some other guys. That's what's up. So in that way, it worked out for him in a way that maybe Jonathan Kaminga wish he could have, like took a look back and probably helped himself out in other areas there. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, who do you like in that like six to ten range? I mean, like any guys that you are interested in that you think are going to stand out, or you know, obviously they're not in that clear cut five, yeah. but are interesting picks. You know, later on down the line. Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets tricky. I mean, Scotty Barnes is the name that you see the most consistent, but he has, you know, a clear area that he needs to improve on. Mm-hmm. He's He doesn't look to score often. You know, he's a guy that can play a little bit of point forward for you, good passer, good defender, you know, a lot of stuff that we've been saying about Ben Simmons. I was just about to say, were we just talking about Ben Simmons again? <laughs> yeah, but I think that the difference is, I don't think Scotty is as naturally talented or as, as big as Simmons is. Mm. But one of the things I, I, I like about watching Scotty, you can tell that he loves basketball. Like, he always looks like he's having fun and a joy playing. You can't really say the same about <laughs> Ben Simmons. But yeah. I, I don't want to keep piling on Ben. But, no, yeah, Scotty Barnes is a guy that I think – you know, if you're Cleveland, I think it's a good fit, you know, because mm-hmm. you, I think you can pencil him in as your, your starting four. And because he's such a good playmaker, it kind of offsets what you lack in, in Sexton and Garland. So I think he would be a good fit there. And then yeah, it's Coro, nice you know, and those two are, will be <clears throat> good defenders. So mm-hmm. now you got, I mean, he, he fills so many needs there. So I think. Yeah. That's the best best fit for Cleveland. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. After that, I mean, I, I like Jalen Johnson. Okay. He's intriguing to me, but he's someone who, if he falls, I wouldn't be too shocked because he's going to have to a- answer a lot of questions about, you know, why he left Duke early. Yeah. Uh, he went to, I want to say, like multiple high schools. So I think his intel is going to be really important for him. But he signed with Clutch, so I mean they they have some power and some leverage. But yeah. um, I would like to see maybe him or even like a Keon Johnson from Tennessee and Toronto. I'm a big fan of the Raptors' developmental program. I mean they've taken guys like Van Vliet wasn't drafted and he's Sorry. paid off straight up. Terrence Jones a few years ago, no Terrence Davis I should say. <laughs> Terrence Davis a few years ago. I was like Terrence Jones is alright, but <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> Boucher. You know, yeah. even though he was like a 25 year old <laughs> senior at Oregon, but I mean, they've been able to like, you know, Siakam. Siakam yeah. was the 17th pick, and and shoot, I live in Dallas, and Siakam went to high school in Dallas. I never heard of him. Like, wow, he was that, you know, raw know. under the radar. Um, so they've done a good job of developing guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they can, what type of magic they can work when you have a top 10 pick. So yeah. I think Jalen Johnson would be good there. Maybe even Keon Johnson. He kind of also reminds me of, he's not the score that Jalen Green is. So I know I mentioned like Jalen Green and Zach Levine comparison, but I think Keon 
has that type of freakish athleticism. He's really raw. He's nowhere near as polished, but he just um, he has the ability to be able to stop on a dime and elevate over the top of guys. So I think he could be a really good pull up shooter. He plays hard, but I mean he's really raw. But the physical tools and the talent is there. So he's someone that I could see. You know, ended up being a top ten pick. Then you got like Davion Mitchell, who a lot of people are kind of torn on because he's a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one outlier season where he shot the ball well, but I mean, what he brings to the table on the defensive end, I think could could make him a top a top ten pick. Then after that, you know, it could be James Booknight, guard from UConn, who's a really athletic guard. He's a scorer also. It's it's going to be tough, man. I, I can't <laughs> wait to see how everything shakes out. But, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I, I think picks six through 14 yeah, interchangeable. Okay. Hey, that's some good insight I didn't have, so I'm, I appreciate it. I got one more person before I let you go here. I've heard a little bit about um, specifically with the NBL um, and not comparisons, but Josh Giddy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what's, what's going on with Josh Giddy? Because I've seen him floating around here and there, and I don't don't know what to make of them really aside from like let them be on assist and it's like that's the one thing i hear um and this is just like lamello but no one says just like lamello in that vein they just say like they share that same yeah that playmaking type of thing what is it about him good bad indifferent that like makes him get some buzz is it just like we're getting around that point where we gotta throw some names out or kind of what's up there yeah, he's he's a lot more similar to LaMelo than a lot of people think. Maybe not as shifty with the, mm-hmm. with the ball handling, not as athletic. And Melo's not like a freak athlete by any means, but like mm-hmm. the quick twitch muscles and, and the, the ball handling. Smooth. He doesn't have that, but as far as like the way they play, big guards, the way they see the floor, how, you know, every night they step on the floor – they're a threat for a triple double because they rebound and and just pass the ball ahead. The creativity in the passes, very similar. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Giddy. I think he could also be a lottery pick. I mean, you just it depends on you know what team falls in love with them. Yeah. Oklahoma City may you know depends on how things shake out. They could have three first round picks, two lottery. I mean, crazy. And, they could take a flyer on him. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's good. I think on my last mock, I had him right outside. Well, you know what? It's funny. I had him right outside the lottery going to Boston. But Boston has traded that pick mm. to the Thunder. Okay. But no, he's 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 going to be fun to watch. I mean, really impressive, creative, and confident passer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, the way he whips passes all across the floor, um, I, I think teammates will like playing with him. You know, the the knock or the the swing skill for him is his outside shooting. Okay. And maybe, you know, some will say his lack of athleticism, but if he can knock down open shots, and he's like this uh, unique prospect where he's slow, mm-hmm. but he's best suited to play in a fast-paced offense. Okay. It's kind of a weird combination. Yeah, you know but what? Like he's he's uh, the guy that if he gets the rebound and he has athletes that can fill the lanes, he's, he's whipping, you know, he's hitting them in stride. He's... You know, you got to keep your head up with, with yeah. him because he's going to find you. So that's, that's why I say he's, he's best to play in like a, a fast-paced offense. Okay. This is a weird, weird comparison. But for whatever reason, this brought me way back to – remember um he had like the shortest career and like straight retired before like he was even 30. But remember Kendall Marshall? Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. that's kind of feeling like the, when he, he got, was the Phoenix. He huh? Taylor Rooks before she was Taylor Rooks. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> level up man okay yeah. <laughs> that's what's up i did not know that wow i remember that dude because if i was you know i've been in the arizona area for a minute now and they were pumping him up for that you know steve nash successor and then mm-hmm. i was a lakers fan even then so i was like all right we'll see and then we saw it, it wasn't great then came the lakers in the odd year and he had like a bunch of 30.15 assist nights yeah, that dan tony <laughs> yeah it built yeah. him up and made him look good went to philadelphia and i was might as well retired then but um Hey, man, I thank you for coming. I got, like, one last thing because I saw some Twitter and I had to ask. Okay. that are, I don't even know how to phrase the question. Okay, Summer League coming up. I know you're probably going to be down there. I'm happy I'll be down there. But, like, are you – oh, there it is. All right, that's what's yeah. up. So I look forward to hopefully linking with you up there. But, like, are you trying to get as crazy experiences you had on that Twitter video that went crazy, uh-huh. like, a couple weeks back? I saw that thing. I went, 
what the heck? Yeah, I didn't know it was going to go viral the way it did. Yo, After it I looked, it was like 394,000 views. Jeez. I had uh, Mike James commented on it because he was in that game. <laughs> uh, Mario Hazonia commented. Lord. Because um, he plays for Panathinaikos. So he just signed with Barcelona, but he played for one of the teams. Yeah, man. I mean, if, if summer league turns out like that game where there's flares and all that, man, that would be exciting to me. I, I love that. I, I I tell people all the time, man. Mm-hmm. I loved going to games in Greece. The element of danger excited me. Like, like wow. I honestly, guy, I go to NBA games now. I'm like, man, this is boring because in Europe, I tell mm-hmm. people. There's no crowd music. Like, you know how you go to NBA game. They it's got a production. The, you got the, yeah, you got the yeah. crowd music. You got the girls dancing. The chants. You got the, you know, the crank them. You know, they got the Turn little. Yeah, you're throwing <laughs> Sound shirts. meters and yeah. At halftime, everybody. No, in Europe, man, if the game starts at seven. The fans are there at six. They're chanting. And because I don't know the language, I wasn't able to understand what they were saying. But I know mm-hmm. it's extremely vulgar. Okay. Okay. Like, you can sense like that it energy. Was, yeah, it was so like I used to I would film um uh videos for Instagram for one of the teams mm-hmm. and they would always tell me like if we play a road game we can't use cuz I mean I don't know what they're saying. I just think they're singing but Yeah, they could I mean, be like, saying something. So one day they explained to me what they were saying. I was like like what? This is that it's that vulgar. So Yo. they're jumping up and down. And like your your teams, and it's it's not every country, you know. It's your your Greece, your Turkish rivals, maybe like some in Serbia. Okay. Whatever team is your favorite team, it's like being in a game. Like you can't, like you. That's your. And the best article, like if if anybody's listening, and they want to like hear more about how intense the rivalries are in, in Greece, which was the in the the video that I posted. It, the two teams are Panathinaikos and Olympiacos, and these are t- like hated rivals. So Rick Pitino was the coach of Panathinaikos two wow. years ago, and he talks about how his experience was and how he was scared to go to different restaurants because if they were owned by the rival team or, yeah. or supported by the rival team, he was like, I might get poisoned. Like, it's like literally like, whoa, it's, it's like not that. a casual. Oh, yeah, it's it's so so. Uh, yeah, so in, in Europe, between the rivalries, when your team wins or loses, I mean, there's a chance that the arena is just going to be on fire with flares. And and in Greece, so imagine, like, going to an NBA arena, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no – you know how it is now where they're not allowing – some arenas aren't allowing fans, like, courtside. Yeah. So you got the arena. Then you have, like, that whole courtside area is, like, empty. And then they have, like, the 200 section. Oh, but that up. is like it's a um a net. <laughs> oh, like a concave around, type thing. Yeah, it's a oh, net around man. the whole thing to stop people from throwing stuff on the on the court because they will. And I, and I've experienced a game where it was two rivals in Turkey, and the team that I was working with, a guy hit a three, and he just left his hand up. So think about how many times the NBA player does that. All he the time. A three. Hold the post. Left his hand up and just kind of backpedal yeah. and when i say everything was flying <laughs> pennies this this is how intense whoa. the rivalries are they throw coins right whoa lighters anything that they can have they throw coins but then the some fans are so strategic with their throwing they heat the coins up with the lighters so you get hit you got hit oh, by a shoot. hot coin Oh my Batteries. gosh. Yeah, like so some and then like that's crazy. The police aren't mm-hmm. necessarily the police. So all right, think of it like let's say let's say the Suns and the Lakers are heated rivals. Like yep. you can't, you know, like here in the States, we have we're fans of players. You know, we like yeah. the team, but we're fans of players. There's yeah. like, you know. So let's say the Lakers were coming to Phoenix to play. Now the Lakers can't expect the Phoenix police to protect them because the Phoenix police are Suns fans. <laughs> so, 
oh wow so you know with the home court advantage isn't there like you on your own yeah i mean they'll protect you a little bit but you yeah. know like, if someone runs out on the floor and decides to try to punch one of the players they might they take they a second get the punch in, yeah you know. oh get down get down after you already start swinging <laughs> so yeah like so in europe like even like behind wow. the benches, there's like a plexiglass that's covering mm. the the road team's bench, and then you got armed security. Well, not armed, but you know you got mm. the security there because oh, the coaching staff, the bench, they just sit in ducks otherwise, right? Yeah, because well, somebody would you know hit them on the back of the head, so uh, with a <sighs> coin, and and then people like sometimes they'll you know you know like if it's a rivalry they may have the metal detectors going off i mean but you know you can have mm-hmm. coins and batteries in your pocket Lord. and then <laughs> let them go water bottles so yeah i mean it's oh man the element of danger so i my last story so i was in the game in serbia mm-hmm. all right <laughs> right so and I, it was i had posted two videos and one of them was in serbia so i get there and uh you know i I take an Uber to the arena and I go out and it's like this old rundown looking arena. Everybody's just outside smoking squares. I get in there and the crowd is just, I mean, it's like jumping. Like think Cameron indoor stadium tied up with nine seconds left jumping, but this is an hour before the game. So the fans are just going crazy. And um, so it, it, it came down to like a last second shot and the team I was working with, we missed the last second shot and the fans stormed the floor. Now, I don't know if they're storming the floor to fight the players or yeah. to celebrate. And I took off like, and the way the arenas are, it's not like NBA arenas. Like mm-hmm. there was like a back door, like a high school gym where I saw a door open and I was able to take off like straight from courtside yeah just out. outside i know what you okay out of high school game that i played with the other team yeah we just left like we were right ghost <laughs> so i leave and then i get back to my hotel or whatever and i'm trying to figure out like what happened i can't text anybody i can't read what's yeah. going on i can't listen to the news and i don't know if like you know the guys on the team got stomped out i don't know you I don't mean, know what happened you just like self-preservation y'all yeah, like, I mean, I've seen games where they've had to eject all the fans out of the game. Yo, So for real? in that video, so in that video that I posted. Yeah. If you're following me on Twitter, my name is Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E, 500, and it's a pinned tweet. Mm-hmm. That was game five of the finals. Wow. Yeah. See, I didn't so even know. Like, I just thought it was a normal game out there. Going on. You just saw the smoke in the fire. I just saw this, and I heard it. Like, I hadn't heard the first time. I just saw it. It would look crazy. <laughs> I liked it. Too. Yeah, and I put my earphones in. I'm just like, jolting, like, what the hell? That yeah, was that was, dope, that was game. So that's the equivalent of game seven of the NBA Finals. Yo. The team that was losing their fans just <laughs> said, we're going to burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys, if you notice in the video, the guys just... They played through it like two yeah. or three sessions. They were good. I saw them go back and forth. This guy like mad. They're like, all right, wait a second. But they were, I was like, they just used to this? That was yeah. insane, man. The fact that you, when you said, oh, I miss calls like this, at first I'm like, oh, he's messing. And I'm like, yo, no, I think he real about that. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, uh, <laughs> I just love the intensity. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a hatred. And I've seen games where, so they have a final four like we do in um, college basketball. Yeah. And I've seen a situation where at the final four, the two teams fight and the police don't, I mean, they don't have guns over there. Mm-hmm. The police are literally just wearing vests that say policia and jeans. <laughs> just so you know where, seen, where they are, you can point to them. Yeah. So, I mean, they got on a vest and, and they literally have on jeans and fighting clothes. And so when the two groups of fans start fighting, the police just jumped in and just started Stop fighting saying. both of them. And then you just kind of split up and it's wow. like, no arrest is just <laughs> part of the culture. Wow, that is that's like equal parts dope and like madly terrifying, bro. I'm not even gonna lie. There's no guns though. That's the thing. Oh, that's the thing. So okay, here so in the states, you yeah, know, you do. Yeah, things might... get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, here it's just <laughs> gotta have these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's crazy is like it's funny when you talk about that and like how it's almost expected. Like, and not not that it's gonna happen, but just like the culture of it, the way the police are ready, the way the crowds are like, nah, we ain't taking this. And like here, you get one guy with the sons and four and that stuff just blow up yeah to just nonsensical proportions in my mind like i'm just gonna comment on that for a second i did not appreciate all the love that was given for like what seemed like a normal whatever like i get it but like the the action figure and stuff that was just a little bit too much and then (laughs) that was real (laughs) that was real yo that was real (laughs) it was a little bit too much 
he went and made a GoFundMe, and they made shirts. He was giving shirts out free. And then there was another fight. Was, I'm sure you saw a little. It was a stupid spat too um, between Suns fans and Clippers fans after Game One yesterday, where mm-hmm. all it was was a bunch of Suns fans trying to get their own courtside seats, trying to know that this like dad and son, you know, Clippers fans start a fight, jump them basically, and then that's a wrap. But in my mind, I'm like, listen, y'all, like this ain't that same level, you know? Y'all yeah. just trying to get y'all moment. That's not a good way to do that. And for the Clippers guys, it's like, y'all adults. Like, just walk away. The game's over. Like, yeah. all y'all did was get jumped and beat up on camera for this one person's failed bid to go get courtside seats. Like, yeah. you have this craziness here where this one instance is like, oh, wow. And you see what's going on over there, and you're like, these fans ain't really about that. Like, I'll be yeah, first man, to admit, man. I'm not. Like, I hear boom. I'm just like, yo, time to go. You know? See, the thing is, I, as an American, they know I'm not about it. I'm just observing. But, I, yeah. you, know, but you can't wear, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you the thing about here, which most people like, but like if you go to a Clippers game, you can go as a Suns fan and you can go wearing your Suns gear and you mm-hmm. can cheer loud. And you know, some people may be drunk, but over there, no, no, you in the <laughs> might not make it home. You, you, you mean you, you're gonna get a little stomped out, but oh my gosh, I, I just enjoy how intense the rivalries were and how every possession of those games were like a final four NBA playoff game seven type every possession counted and Mm -hmm. you know when you're in those type of environments as a crowd you can't help but play hard yeah (laughs) the fans will turn on like if and this will be a lot I'll end with this like and and I mean this is like the sad part about it but let's Mm -hmm. say a Ben Simmons was in that environment and he played like that in a game over the course of series, Ooh. it would be really hard for him to move around. <laughs> I know <laughs> like what somebody you mean. may come out on the court and, and and try to remind yo, that is wow. Okay. Yeah. It's totally that's a lot well, of pressure I've heard playing of out like, there. I mean, there was one game where I wasn't there, but the fans attacked the bench. The players ran out in the locker room. The fans were trying to kick down the door in the locker room. They were waiting on the team bus. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, the rivalries are that, that hated. It's, it's one of those things where you can't, unless you're there and see it for yourself. Contextualize it like that. Like, you know, calling a friend like, hey, man, I'm going to go to your game. It's like, no, no fans are allowed to the game. I'm like, no fans. And they're like, yeah, the last, you know, last fans. You know, they kicked down the doors. They're out for blood. <laughs> Lord, man. I'm telling you, man. Thank you, bro. That's yeah. <laughs> these stories for real. Uh, dope. Because I needed some more insight on that. Because I remember I had to make a point, but Okay, that was the tip of the iceberg. So just be yeah. warned, y'all. Follow <laughs> follow Raphael, man. Barlow 500, B-A-R-L-O-W-E 500. Man, thank you again for coming on. Not only sharing just the dope stories, but giving some draft insight. Um, I know you got NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Uh, you yeah. still got that power going, but a lot of your stuff now is part of the Locked On NBA Draft. So, yeah. like, you got anything just where people can find? I've been, like I said, cramming it in, but I know you're working. I can speak to it, but here's a moment. Like, what you got going on? Yeah, so I'm on a Locked On podcast. So it's Locked On NBA Draft. Mm-hmm. My show is every Monday and Thursday. So every Monday, Thursday morning, I try to upload them by 5 o'clock Central Time. So um, depending on where you're at, it could be 6 in the morning in the East Coast or it could be 3 in the morning in the West Coast. So if you're <laughs> in the West Coast, by the time you wake up, the podcast is for sure done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have my YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies. I mean, I have this lofty goal of 100 videos. I'm down to 93 videos between now and the NBA draft. Sheesh. I'm a little behind. I mean, the goal was kind of lofty, but I got to catch up. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I'm dropping content on on that. Then I have something I don't know. What you got? (laughs) If you have me on prior to the draft, maybe I'll spill the beans there, but I got something big that's, that's, okay. uh, it's in the works. So I'm looking forward to that. You best believe I'm about to ask you once we get off here, but um, yeah. for real, I'm going to be on for sure. Hey, you guys heard, check it out. I'm telling you, man, like I love having you on. We got to do it more than probably an annual thing, but yeah, I know you got a lot going yeah. on too. So I appreciate it, man. But thank you again. That's, yeah, that's no what problem. I got, man, for sure. Uh, you know where to find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA, hoopball, hoop-ball.com on Twitter, uh, at hoop ball tweets say so many times i forget definitely make sure to check that out we got some good shows um brad harden from locked on hawks dropped a fire show you can imagine hawks fans i, I don't know how that feels at this point but like the excitement is real so definitely make sure to check that out uh we got a new show by my friend uh will and it's all about the rookie class like that's just what it's about so it's some draft stuff but it's just about 
whatever new set of rookies, which is kind of a unique perspective. I get a lot of, you know, draft class and draft and young players, but just a pod that focuses just on that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. That just dropped. So definitely make sure to check that out. Um, aside from that, y'all, that's it for us over here. For Raphael, for myself, we Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. We'll talk to y'all. I will tomorrow. <laughs> I hate y'all. Thanks. <laughs>